right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Come on. Can we give Janet, Jen a hand? Holy moly. That, that was a mouthful. That was a lot of uh, announcements for you today, and I'm sure all of you wrote every one of those down. Uh, we'll have no confusion in the future uh, ever, right? Right? All right. Well, hey, uh, I just am excited to share a word with you as we kind of lead into Easter because uh, as, as she mentioned, Easter is one of those times a year that as Christians, you have an amazing opportunity. And so really today, I'm going to speak a lot to people who would say that they're believers in Jesus Christ. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, I'm really speaking to you today. If you're new to the faith, or maybe you haven't quite taken that step, or maybe you're just curious and you're checking it out, uh, I'm glad you're here as well, because I have some things I want to say to you as well. But, but, but I really am going to spend some time on Christians. And so if you are a non-believer here today, and you enjoy Christians being picked on, uh, I'm going to do a little of that, all right? And so you're like, yeah, get them, Pastor, get them. I want to share this thought with you. I've been kind of reflecting on where we are as a culture, and I was reading this stat the other day, and I wanted to just share it with you. Listen to this. People are more likely to invite a person to church in person than online. Now, two years ago, we would have not even had that stat. You know what I mean? Like, no one was tracking that. No one was sitting here thinking, well, you know, are you more likely to invite a friend to church in person or in a virtual environment, right? So, like, that was just not a data point that people were collecting. And, and, and this is kind of the data. So, Barna does some of this work. George Barna, he has a research institute. And this is what it said. It says, Barna found that 61% of churched adults and 64% of churched Christians responded that they would be open to inviting someone to an in-person worship service. By contrast, 38% of churched adults or 40% of churched Christians responded that they would be open to inviting someone to a digital worship service. Now, why do I share that with you today? Well, I think it's, it's, it's part of where we live. There are some people that are more comfortable right now going to church online. There are some people that are comfortable coming in person like all you beautiful people that I can see right now. And, and that's just the world we live in. But the thing that I love about this data point is that Barna is trying to track something for all of us. And that is that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility. And around Easter time, we have a great opportunity. But sometimes all we focus on are the things that are in front of us, you know, like our traditions, the things that we do, you know, and I'm not against those. I mean, some of you have great traditions at Easter. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is. Does anybody have a tradition like they eat a certain food? Do you have a, anybody eat a certain food at Easter? Yeah, what is it? Yes, matter of fact, we're doing that in the kids' ministry. And so parents will get those resurrection rolls. What else? Any, any other traditions that you have as a family or a Nobody. None of you. Is that what we're doing today? So nobody has anything? Come on. We don't eat peeps. Okay, good. We don't eat peeps because they're disgusting. <laughs> because they're disgusting. Exactly. I, I don't even... Like, there are people that like them. I mean, they make them. So somebody's eating them. Or, or yeah. Ugh. Who likes peeps? Oh, look at them. Look at them. You're all being exposed. <laughs> 
they're all being exposed. Yeah, and so we have traditions. We have things that we do, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with creating those moments because you need those moments in life. You need memories. You need, you need these moments as families and as, as friends and as church and, and all of that. But sometimes what can happen is the main thing gets lost. And, and so what I want to do for a few minutes is just remind us again of the main thing. And so if you're a Christian today, I'm sure you're open and receptive to everything that I'm about to say. Because I, I believe that you have the same heart as I do. But I wanted to read something. Before I get to the actual passage of Scripture for today, I wanted to start in Romans chapter 10. And I'll be, our main text, if you're following along, if you have your Bibles, is going to be 14 through 17 of chapter 10. But I wanted to read just a few verses before we get to that, and they won't be on the screen, so I just want you to listen. And so here are a few verses that I want to share. This is verse 8 through 13. And so Paul is writing this book, and in this book he's starting very specifically to talk about the relationship that Israel has with this new church. And so he's talking about that, and, and as he's talking about that, he's, he's sharing with us what it looks like for us to be followers of Jesus, for what does it look like for us to be a part of this gospel movement in the world. And this is what he says. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which is preached. And what he's saying is, is that because you're a Jew, you've had the word. Like the word has been in your life, it's near you, it's in your heart. And what he's trying to get at is that, that, that you should know what I'm getting at, if that makes sense. He's like, you should know what I'm getting at, that the word of faith that Paul has preached is something that you should know about. Then in verse 9 he says this, that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Perhaps you've heard that. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and somehow in that you will be saved. Maybe that's how you came to faith. Maybe you literally confessed with your mouth. You did that. Like somebody led you in that prayer. Matter of fact, this particular passage is a part of something that we call the Romans Road. It's, a, it's an evangelistic tool that people use. And so, so as you go through that, you, you may have heard this, but then he goes on and says this, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So in other words, there's a confession that occurs that leads to a salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jews and Greeks, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who calls upon him. Isn't that amazing? See, what Paul is saying is that it's no longer just this tent. It's no longer just a Jewish tent. It's a whole big tent. And that includes Jews and Gentiles together because of what Jesus has done. And then he says this in verse 13. He says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you probably believe what I just said. If you're not, maybe you're still skeptical. And that's okay. I'm glad you're here because I'd love to answer any questions that you have. But I want to continue here with our, really our text for today. And so we're going to jump in here to Romans chapter 10 verses 14 through 17. And I, I want to share this with you because 
Paul asks a series of questions. Matter of fact, he asks five questions. And anytime the Bible is asking a series of questions, we should be curious. There's something going on. They're getting at something. Does that make sense? And so he asks these five questions, and I'm just going to read that to us. And so listen to this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him is the first question. And how can they believe in him if they have, what, never heard about him? He keeps going. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Verse 15. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Are you starting to get the point? Then he says this. He says, this is why the scripture says, notice this text, how beautiful are the feet. Some of you are like, I hate feet. Some of you love feet, and that's weird. But some of you hate feet. And the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. Isn't that interesting? That that's how the Bible goes about describing what it means to, 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 to advance the kingdom of God by associating it with your feet. Then verse 16, and this is the fifth question, but not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed your message? And what he's really getting at, he's implying that there are people that have not believed the message. And then watch this in verse 17, notice this. So faith comes from what? Hearing. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus. And so what I want to do for a few minutes is I want to unpack some of these questions because i think for people who are curious about god or people who have been in a relationship for a long time with god these are important questions matter of fact if you notice there the bible is referencing something from the old testament matter of fact it's in isaiah 52 7 listen to these words it's similar you'll notice it how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news this is in isaiah many years before jesus even showed up and so he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who says to Zion, look at that, your God reigns. It's like, like the prophet is proclaiming this to the people. And guess where these people were when he was proclaiming it? They were in exile. They were in exile. They were, they were in prison, basically, in a foreign land. They were unable to worship God in the temple. They were, they were far away from God. And Isaiah shows up and says, hey, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something that something's happening. Something's going on. There is good news that I want to share with you that someday you will experience peace again. You will experience uh, uh, the good news the proclamation, the good tidings that your God reigns right now in your current situation. Come on. Some of us are in difficult situations. Isaiah shows up and says, I want to speak something to you. I want to share something with you that in that situation, our God reigns. That might be enough for somebody today where you are just to have somebody speak that over your life. Your God reigns over that problem, over that situation, over that relationship, over that marriage, over whatever it is. Your God reigns over dysfunction in the government. Come on. Over a pandemic. Come on. See, God reigns. 
He's not contingent on the things we're experiencing as people. And I love that Isaiah says that. But what's so amazing is Paul picks up on that and carries it through. And he says, yes, that was true for Israel because eventually they were freed from their exile. But then he picks that same idea up a thousand years later. And he says to all of us that how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. That, that literally the good news has come, that peace has come, that, that, that we should proclaim good tidings, that we should proclaim that, that God reigns. Because see, the, the, the message as we start Holy Week, the message is that Jesus beat death. That means he reigns over death. He reigns over sin and sickness and disease. See what I'm getting at. This is not just things we read in the Bible. This is reality. This is something that all of us need to understand is exactly what God is doing. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we are grafted into that reality. And our job is to get that to everybody we can. But sometimes what I've thought in my own heart, and you've thought this or we've experienced this, is sometimes we get tired of it. Maybe you've been in it a long time. Maybe you just really enjoy the peeps. But perhaps, perhaps we've forgotten what it really is about. It's about the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world to, to die for me. And that I'm, the Bible says that, that I'm compelled by the love of Christ. That when I look upon the cross, I should be compelled. I should be motivated to share what the Lord has done. And sometimes we get tired. And I'm not picking on you so much as I'm trying to encourage you to see again what's real. That Easter is more than bunnies. I don't even know where the bunnies came from. (laughs) Or the ducks. What do they have to do with anything? And yet we come back to this, and, and, and Paul is helping us to see that, that Jesus came into this world to proclaim good news, peace of salvation, and oh, oh, that the captives would be set free from sin and death. Oh, what a glorious thing. As we expect Easter this Sunday, man, what an amazing thing to celebrate. But here's the big idea for today, if you're wondering. It's simply this, that people won't be saved without hearing. See, that's what the scripture is telling us, that, that people won't be saved without hearing. Let me, let me show you this. I want to walk you through the passage just a little bit, because see, Paul lays this out pretty clearly. Here are the steps of the path of salvation that Paul lays out here in Romans chapter 10. He asks this series of questions to reveal this path of salvation. And if you notice in 14, he says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So the statement that we need to see is that they must believe and call on him. So in other words, belief is important because if they don't believe, they'll never call. Like, for example, if you didn't believe 911 would help you, you wouldn't call. But because you believe that 911 will help you when you're in a difficult situation, you pick up the phone and you call 911 expecting something to happen. So you believe that 911 will do something for you. And see, what he's trying to get at is that this belief is the precursor for someone actually calling. Because why would they call? Think about an like an atheist when they're in a bad situation. Who are they calling? The Ghostbusters? Right? I don't know. And I love you guys. I'm just saying, who are you going to call? 
<laughs> I didn't even plan that. <laughs> but see, someone has to believe in something before they'll reach out for it. And then he backs that up. He says, in, in, as we continue with the second question, he says, and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? So how can they believe if they've never heard? That makes sense to you, right? And so Paul is very clearly saying to us that they must hear to believe him. It's kind of like this. If you, take a different sense. Okay, so that's hearing, right? So there's sound involved. It's audible. But take, like, for example, vision, like seeing. You ever heard this idea, I have to see it to believe it, right? In other words, there's something that has to happen before this other thing. And that's what Paul is saying, is that you have to hear. What does he want you to hear? And why does he even use hearing? Well, because hearing is related to the word of God. So you don't see the word of God, you hear the word of God. And so he's saying, you will say it, and they will hear it, and that will lead to what? Their belief. And so these things, these steps are so important for us to notice. Here, how about this? Question number three. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That makes sense. They, in other words, they will hear when someone tells them. Let me ask you this. Who is the last person you told about Jesus? And this isn't about guilt trips. I'm just asking a question. I'm curious. Who was the last person you had a conversation with where you literally shared your story? Or maybe you invited them to church or whatever it is. When was the last time that happened? And, and, and what I want to say to you in a very subtle, loving, God-honoring way is that's something you need to look at. Because if this is the goal, if this is what God has called us to, and there is a major gap between that, friends, we just have to ask the Lord to help us. He's not mad at us. He's not like, oh, you dirty rat. No. It's God's grace that you're even here this morning. That, that you're hearing this word. Because what he's trying to do is remind you of what's most important. It's not our traditions that are most important. It's the purpose of God in our life being lived out. And so I think it's an important question that we all need to ask is, when was the last time I shared this with someone? Question four, he goes on, he says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? So in other words, somebody or someone is sending you out. Guess who that person is? His name's Jesus. It is. See, they, they will hear when someone is sent. Jesus is the one that sent you. I know sometimes we forget it, but it's true. Jesus is the one that sends us out. Matthew 28, you've probably heard this, 18 through 20. Jesus came to his disciples and he said this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's all. Like all authority. Not, not just a little, not half, just not three quarters. He's been given all authority to do what he's about to do. And he says this. Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teach them to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I love this. Be sure of this. I am with you always to the ends of the age. You know why that's important? Because when you step out in faith, he goes with you. 
that you never have to worry that when you step out in faith to do what God has told you to do, that you're alone. That the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, come on, is with you when you step out. So when people come to me and say, well, I can't do that, Pastor. As my mom used to say, can't never could do nothing, could he? You ever heard that? It's true, isn't it? If you start with can't, you won't. And yet we believe that the power of God resurrected Jesus. Jesus came into this world, did all that. When he ascended into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit, which now gives us the power that he had or has. And so that power exists in you. That power is available to you, is what the Bible says. And a matter of fact, I love this, is that power is described in the Greek as dunamis, where you get the word dynamite. That's the kind of power that lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus. So don't tell me you can't. Why don't you just go ahead and be honest and just say you won't? Is that okay? Are we okay, guys? You, all right, all right. Some of, you, some of you still like me. Some of you don't. But Jesus sends us out. Matter of fact, he commands it. He sends us out. And what he's getting at is that when we do what he tells us to do, when, he, when we are sent out with that message, we actually get some really nice feet. He says they become beautiful. For some of you who have nasty feet, you have corns and crooked toes and those, you know, those toenails that get yellow and then fall off. And they smell real bad. Have you met those? Some of you are like, yeah, I have two of those, Pastor. (laughs) The Bible says that when you do this, it's like your feet become beautiful again. Amazing that that can happen in our lives. That somehow, that as we're faithful in honoring God and taking these steps of faith, that this is what happens. Matter of fact, uh, I was reading some of this and it, it talked about how God is not concerned about the outward beauty of our feet. You know, like he's not like, well, if you don't have beautiful feet, you're done. Uh, you know, I, I, can't, I can't work with you. No, no, it's not that. I mean, because we know that. Like the Bible's very clear about that, that God looks at the heart. He's not concerned about outward appearance. So, so what is it that he's trying to help us to see? He's trying to help us to see that our feet become beautiful, even if they're crooked, cracked, and calloused, that our feet become beautiful when we honor him with our lives and do what he tells us to do. Matter of fact, when we share the gospel, the, the, the Greek word here for this word beautiful is nahad. And this, th- that word nahad, get this, it doesn't mean pretty or cute. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean pedicured or manicured or whatever cured you're doing. I went to, some, I went to one of those shops with my daughters and uh, they, they were asking me all these questions. I felt so out of sorts. Like, and it, it, they were literally like, do you want this? You want the powder coat? Like, what is that? Do you want these? Or, I, I, I was so lost. It was like for the person that doesn't drink coffee that goes into Starbucks for the first time, you know, and you're trying to order, can I get a double frappuccino macchiato with two pumps of soy sauce? <laughs> God help us. But it doesn't mean pretty or cute. It, it simply means this, befitting, becoming, perfectly appropriate. Look at this, used as designed. 
perfectly fitting. So in other words, when your feet are activated, they become beautiful, but not in the way that the world would describe them as beautiful. They become beautiful in the spiritual kingdom of God because now you're advancing the kingdom of God. Now people are hearing the good news. And when you walk around, people are like, man, you got some nice feet. Those are nice feet. Not because they're perfectly beautiful in a, in a, in a worldly sense or a fleshly sense, but, but because we're honoring God. And so, so if, if we're going to talk the talk, then we have to walk the walk. And you can't walk without feet. Got to have some feet. And so, so, so when, when, when I, I even believe that God used this phrasing of feet to communicate to us movement. Like, to minister the gospel to people, I've got to go. See, what the church has failed to do over the years is we've only gotten in this mindset is that we, we have to have them come to us. Like, we'll be cool enough, and we'll do, like, cool secular songs, and we'll be like, and then all of a sudden, people are going to come and see it because they're so excited to see the church do something that's, quote, relevant. But guys, think about that for a second. If that's our way of approaching it, I think we've messed something up. Now, I'm not against doing things that feel relevant to people. But I think we have to, as a church, look at those kinds of things and say, look, look, that's not the main thing. The main thing is the people of God getting serious about sharing the message. So our feet become beautiful when we share the gospel with everybody that we possibly can. And then he gets to question five. Question five, verse 16. He says, Lord, who has believed our message? And the point is he's saying is that there are some people that don't. And so here's, here's the fifth th thought I have for you, is some will not welcome or believe in the good news. Like there are people out there that you might share with that they will not believe. It's just going to happen. And, and, and the Bible addresses this. And I want to tell you about that because I, I need you to hear something. Because I've found that sometimes people don't share the gospel because they don't want to feel rejected. You know what I'm talking about? It's like sales, right? It's like, like some people, there's a reason people don't do sales. Like if you're a person that's cold calling every day of your life and it affects you for people saying no to you, you're not going to make it. <laughs> and so, so my point is, is that, that there are going to be some people that say no. And you have to understand that. And you have to take the rejection you feel that's affecting your identity and put that before the Lord and not allow it to keep you from being obedient. Yeah, then watch this. In Matthew 7, 6, I love this. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. So in other words, you're going to meet some people that have no interest in what you're saying. And then he goes on. He says, and this is where he gets really graphic. He says, don't throw your pearls to pigs. You're like, is the Bible calling you a pig? I'll let you figure that out. But then it, watch this. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. So in other words, there are going to be some people that have no interest in what you're saying. And the Bible says when that happens, then you need to see it and move on. Watch this in Matthew 10, 14. Jesus is speaking to his disciples as he's sending them out to minister the gospel to the world. And he says this in verse 14. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake it's dust off your what? Feet. feet. Shake the dust off of your feet as you leave. Because here's the reality. Some people are never going to be open 
Some people, it may take them a while. Matter of fact, evangelistic studies say that people have to be told the gospel or shared the gospel 25 times before they respond positively to the gospel. And could it be, could it maybe just be that you're number 10 and that's okay? Could it be that you're 17? Or maybe sometimes, and this is the best part, is when you get to be 25 and you get to lead that person to faith in Jesus Christ and it's such a glorious moment. It's so awesome. But here's the thing. Our job is not to determine that. Our job is to play our role. And so Jesus says, go out there, tell people. And we have to discern wisely. The Bible tells us to always be wise. But discern wisely those who reject, ridicule, or blaspheme the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just have to be wise about it. And the opposite of that is this, that they're open, that they praise, and they affirm. So if you find someone who's open, praises, or affirms, well, man, you might have an open door to invite them to come to your church or invite them to share, or you to share your testimony with them. See, very simple stuff, but these are the kinds of things that happen. And then watch this. The last thing I'll say about this in Romans, and this is the best part, is that when this happens, when we do what God tells us to do, when we go, when we say, when we share, that they will have faith when they hear. So when they hear it, something is going to happen that then leads them to a response. So in other words, you need to understand that it's like an iceberg, right? There's a lot that was going on under the surface. And so when you get to it, what's going to happen is the moment you say those words, the person will maybe hear you for the first time. And in that moment, what will happen is salvation will be unlocked into their life. But if that doesn't happen, say, okay, I'm just glad I got to share that with you. And just believe that God's going to do something good with it. And be okay with that. Because it's not about getting notches in your belt. It's about being faithful to share the story of God, to share with people that need to hear the most important message. And so I have two thoughts for you as we think about applying this in our life. And so how do you have beautiful feet? Well, if you haven't got it already, the way that we get some beautiful feet is we're faithful to share the good news of Jesus. We're faithful. So what does that look like? Well, here's the first thought I have for you. And that is that we have to pray and work. We've got to pray and work. Sometimes we pray, but we don't do the work. You know what I'm talking about? Like, so you pray for your lost friend, but you never actually invite them. See, sometimes we've got to, we've got to pray and we've got to work. We've got to hear the word of God and we've got to do what the word of God tells us to do. So we've got to pray and work. Listen to this in Matthew 9, 37 through 38. I love this. He said to his disciples, listen, guys, the harvest is great. Now, what does that mean? It means that the harvest is great. So if you're a farmer, right? And someone says, hey, Farmer Bill's harvest is really great. What does that mean? Like there's lots of whatever he's planted, right? So there's lots of wheat or lots of corn. I mean, it's a lot. It's a great harvest. And so the Bible is telling us that you don't have to worry about that. That the harvest is the Lord's. You are not the one that, that, that brings the harvest, you're not the one that makes it happen. The harvest is something God is doing. So that's the cool part. The pressure's off now. Because what the Bible is saying is that the harvest is plentiful. That the harvest is great, regardless of what you're doing. It's right there. It's ready for the taking. The trees are plump with fruit. And your job is to get out there and do something about it. 
Now, everybody wants harvest, but nobody wants to work. And harvest is hard work. If you were ever a farmer and you had a great harvest, well, what, what do you got to do? You got to get to work. Bringing in the harvest is hard work. And that's why Jesus says, pray to the God of the harvest because the workers are few. I don't want to be a part of the few. I want to be a part of the many. I want to be a part of the army of God that's out there bringing in the harvest. See, that's what it says. Did you notice? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Verse 38. So pray to the Lord who, has, who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to do what? Send more workers into the field. Because friends, the harvest is great. Our job is to collect it. Our job is to collect it. You can't collect it if you don't go. You can't collect it if you don't pray. You can't collect it if you don't get to work. And I would just say, if there's a gap in your experience, when was the last time you saw someone come to faith? Maybe it's because you weren't praying. Maybe it's because you weren't working. And God calls us to do both as believers in Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? Am I lying to you today? That seems what the Bible is saying. It's very clear that it's implied that what's in this passage is that we, we are a part of it. I love, I love how John Wesley says it. He says this. He says, pray like it depends on God. Work like it depends on you. Isn't that good? Pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. And then last, last thing I'll say about how to have good, I mean, how to have beautiful feet. You got to pray and you got to work. But number two is you got to believe and you got to grow. You got to believe and you got to grow. Listen to this in John chapter 10, verse 16. I have other sheep too. Jesus is saying this. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. In other words, there are more people out there that are not here yet. The ones that you see aren't all that there is. Our job is to see what we can't see. There's this great story in the Bible where Jesus is talking to some uh, Samaritan people. And I, I love it because he's describing to the disciples uh, that he says, look at the horizon. And, and what's cool is he says, look at the horizon. What he says is you can see what looks like people. He's like describing that there, it's, a, it's, it's vague, it's, it's, it's nebulous, it's hard, but you can make out that there are some people out there. And, and, and what he's saying is you've got to see that. You've got to see that there are, there are people out there that need to hear the message. And they may look vague. They may not look like pure, like you can't see them in their fullness yet, but, but they're out there, right? And what's even cooler, if you go to this story, what he was getting at is that those people that were coming were Samaritans, which people treated like dogs. And he was saying that even those people, Jewish disciples, even those people, God wants. You've got some those people in your life that still need Jesus. We've got those people in our lives that we still need to share the message of Jesus with. And so look, 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 it's so important that Jesus is saying to us that there are more sheep out there. And then in Philemon 6, I love this, as we, as we end, he says, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So what is he saying? Sharing of your faith. He's saying that I want this to grow in you, right? Because he's saying I want it to become effective. Well, the only way it becomes effective is, is that we use it, that we do it. And so, so, so the point that, that, that I'm trying to get us to see, all of us, is that yes, we got to pray and we got to get to work, but we've got to believe that there's more to come. We've got to believe, we've got to get our expectations up. We got to believe that God is able to do more than we can think or imagine. Isn't that what the Word of God says? 
that God can do. And, 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 and sometimes we associate that wrongly with getting more stuff. Right? Isn't it true? Like God can do abundantly more than I can think or imagine. And it goes into this whole thing of I'm going to get some more cash. But guys, it's not about cash. Of course God's going to bless you. But you know what he's really concerned about? He's really concerned about getting his kids home. He's a loving father that sent his son. And it was through the death of his son that, that people come to faith in Jesus, guys. That's what we're called to. And so what I want to do for just a moment as we get close, as we end, kind of we're just all sitting here. I want to take just a moment and pray specifically. Pray specifically for people in our lives that we want to respond to the gospel. And so let's bow our heads for just a moment. What I want you to do as we're in this moment of prayer, I want you to think of the name or the names of people that you'd like to see come to faith or, or people maybe you'd like to see come back to faith. You got a name? Maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe a whole group. What I want to do is I want to pray. I want to pray specifically for those people. And so as I begin to pray, I just want you to lift them up in your mind to the Lord. Matter of fact, you can even say their name out loud if you'd like. Just whisper it to the Lord. He already knows, but he wants to hear you say it. God, as a community of faith, we don't have any desire to be stuffy or judgmental. Or, we have no business with that. What's really in our heart is just to see people come back to, to really come back home. I mean, you made them. you desire so much to have a relationship with him so much so that you're willing to send your son Jesus for them and so Lord we just want to lift those names up to you right now God would you just begin to minister in a spiritual way in the heavenly realms as those names are coming to you Holy Spirit would you receive them and deliver them straight to the Father every name every name God, would you receive? Father, we believe for a harvest today. We believe for greater things. Lord, you say in your word that if we'll pray for this to happen, these things will come to pass. You also tell us to pray against the enemy who blinds people. The enemy who, who helps, who, who, who shuts down their hearing, God. And so, Lord, I pray specifically for anybody that the enemy is keeping from hearing the message. I pray that that would be bound up and cast out in the name of Jesus. That they might hear the name of Jesus, maybe, for the first time. 
And God, specifically for some that maybe are at this house and they want to invite somebody, God, I pray specifically for those names and even those cards that are going to go out. And those cards are going to go out and they're going to be put in people's hands. Jesus, I pray that this would lead to a harvest. God, on Easter morning, we would not only celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, but God, we would celebrate all that are coming to salvation because of you. Oh Lord, we, we, we long for that. And so God, we'll do our part. I wanna pray for you. God, I pray for anybody in this room that desires to do their part, that you desire to pray, that you desire to work, that you desire to go. God, would you help us? Give us everything that we need to do what you've called us to do. When I started my message, I started with that passage of scripture in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he was resurrected from the dead, saved I, I don't know if that's your story I don't know where you are or what your journey has been but I know that's true in my life perhaps it's true in yours or maybe it's not but, but I do know this that Jesus came for a reason and sometimes we can't even get our mind around it but he came for you and so I just want to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel if you'd like to if you're wondering what the gospel is, I'll just share it with you really quick. At Christmas time, we celebrate the birth of God's son. 30 years later, he went to a cross. 33 years later, he went to a cross because he was accused of being the son of God, the Messiah, which he was. And they murdered him tortured him. And the Bible tells us that he breathed his last breath. They took him down from that cross and they laid him in a tomb. And this Sunday we celebrate something that is unique to Christianity. It's the only exclusive thing. And that is the resurrection of Jesus. That three days later Jesus beat sin beat death and if you're here today he did that for you and he created a bridge back to the father that did not exist before and so my heart for you today is that you would step into that that you believe that he's lord that you'd believe that he was resurrected from the dead and in doing so come into the family of god so what i want to ask you to do if that's something you would like what i want you to what you what i want you to do heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so on the count of three, just as a way of saying that you're in, so I can pray for you, I'm just going to say one, two, three, and I'd love for you to just to, just to raise your hand up real quick so I can see you. I want to be able to pray for you. If you're online, the same goes for you. And so right now on the count of three, just if you'd like to take that step of faith, go ahead and raise your hand up. One, two, three. Go ahead. Go ahead. God bless you. God bless you. Good, good, good. 
I see your hands. Yes, yes. Awesome. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Guys, there was, of what I saw, there was probably eight or nine hands that went up in this room. The desire to enter into that relationship. If you're online, praise God for your hand. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead people in a prayer. And what I'd like you to do is just to repeat this prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It's just, it's just some words. All I ask is that you mean it. And so what I want to do is offer this prayer. And if you wouldn't mind, church, let's all pray this prayer together so no one feels alone. Heavenly Father, I confess that you're Lord. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I surrender my life to him. Will you change me from the inside out? Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we just celebrate those that are making decisions? Come on. God, we thank you. We praise you.